I don't want to stand before the Lord and say that we had a really great time at Kingdom Out. We mm-hmm. made a lot of noise and we yelled and we clapped and we danced and we did whatever. Um, and that that's all we did because I feel a responsibility. Um, I think we can do all those things, but we have to do all those things with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And that purpose is that we are glorifying the Lord Jesus and that we're lifting his name up and that we are sharing that with other people. So I take that part very seriously. I don't feel like that's that's a big responsibility, um, much like I believe the pastor has when he gets the platform and he is going to preach. He's responsible for what he's sharing with those people. And while I may not get on the stage and I may not be the one doing the sharing, I ultimately have that responsibility for those who are going to get on the stage and share it. So often I bring you the stories of women who've written best-selling books or sung in front of thousands and thousands of people or who are moving a generation by their example and by their words. But today... Our episode is just a little bit different. I'd like to introduce you to a personal friend whose quiet but faithful life is making a profound difference for the unshakable kingdom of Jesus Christ. My friend Donna Russo is a quiet leader and a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. She has led Kingdom Bound Ministries for nearly two decades now, and she is known personally by world-renowned speakers, chart-topping Christian musicians, and international worship leaders as an amazing woman of faith, stability, and resolve. Welcome to the Significant Women Podcast. I'm your host, Carol McLeod. Significant Women is a podcast focused on the lives of women. Our goal is to simply encourage women that their lives matter. It matters very much for the unshakable kingdom of Jesus Christ. I hope that this podcast will remind you that when Jesus is involved in the details of your life, that your life can be a stunning representation of the character and the person of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you just a little bit more about my friend, Donna Russo. I met Donna when I was a young wife and mother up to my eyeballs in diapers and dishes and grilled cheese sandwiches. And she became the dearest of friends to me. She babysat my boys. She did crafts with them. She cleaned my house. She cooked incredible meals for us and encouraged me as a friend in my daily walk with the Lord. I've always been amazed by Donna's wisdom and by her resolve to serve the Lord no matter the cost. I feel like I'm giving you a personal and valuable gift today as you listen to my conversation with my dear friend, Donna Russo. Well, I'm so excited today because I have a friend with me, Donna, like 40 years. Do I even want to say that out loud? Is that how long we've been friends? 40 years? Yes. Yeah, it's got to be 40 years. Yeah, I think 40 years right now is my mind goes back to the summer of 82 is when we moved to Buffalo. Right. And I met you and and you were on staff at the church that Craig came on. Um, yes. yes. And we were just instantly drawn to one another. Um, like, do you remember taking care of my kids? Do you remember changing their diapers? Like, what do you remember? I do. And I was thinking about this. One of my favorite memories, and it was, it was not long after that because the boys, Matthew and Christopher, were not that old. Um, you remember 
Um, one of the things you did when you moved to Buffalo is you got your close circle of friends involved in the Junior Miss pageant. Oh, yeah. And so we all got to be involved and got to, you know, run around, pick up the girls, make snacks, do all kinds of things. But the one of those years, you were chosen to be the chaperone for America's Junior Miss. Uh -huh. And so I got to fly to Alabama and pick up the boys and fly back home with them. And so I'd never been to Alabama, which was great. I never flown with kids in my life. <laughs> and it was great. We had a ball. The, and I want to say, I, I want to say maybe Christopher was three, yeah. maybe four. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere around there. And Matthew was six. So, you know, they were, they were yeah. young. I know that. Um, but that was a really exciting time. I thought that was lots of fun. And um, I, I, I learned a lot, grew a lot and, um, and always had a great time with the kids. Well, you know, what you just shared really is going to communicate to people how much I valued you because I would not have trusted my children with anyone except my husband and my mother. And you came to, so that, that shows the value that I had in you and your relationship with my little boys. And they loved Miss Donna. They loved, I'm sure you had prizes and treats and all the way home. <laughs> we did. And it you was, did. you know, it was flying was, you know, that's a whole adventure there. So it was good. It was, it was. And so Donna, through the years, okay, so first of all, share this with us, Donna. When did you meet the Lord? Where were you in your life and how did you meet the Lord for the first time? So I came to Christ in 1978 and I had been, um, it was through a mutual friend of mine who we worked together briefly when I um, first left high school and my, my one of my first jobs, um, she interned in the same place. She was a few years younger than me. She interned there and she was in college and she became friends with an, another young woman in our area. Her name was Kathy. And so Kathy and Doreen were good friends. They went to college together. Doreen asked me one night if I would love to come to a Bible study. And, you know, I grew up Catholic and was, um, I, I, I would say that I had faith. Um, you know, I knew all of the things that I had been taught. I was in Catholic school for 12 years. And so I always had an interest in faith things, but I'd never really been to a Bible study. So it turns out she takes me to a Bible study that is being taught by none other than Jerry Barracks, who you are familiar with. Um, Jerry is a wonderful, world-renowned um, lady evangelist who was traveling around all over Western New York back then in those days. And then from that point, had lots of opportunity to travel all over the world and share the Lord. So it was very, um, you would always say this, if you were in the presence of Jerry Barracks and you weren't saved, you'd be saved before you left that day because that's how she would present the gospel. And I was no different. That night she sat me down when the Bible study was over with and asked me, you know, do I know that I have a relationship with Christ and, and led me in the sinner's prayer, laid out the gospel. And um, I, I, it was a, like second nature for me. It was like all of the pieces fit together. The things that I had been taught as a kid and as a young girl, um, they all fit together, just basically how she explained it. And so, um, so I got saved that night and um, never looked back. But um, as results started going to the study and, you know, she took a group of 20 or 30 college students and she would teach them every Friday night. And the Bible study, this is a funny side note, the Bible study would start at 10 o'clock at night because really? that's when the kids would get, yeah, they, you know, they'd all be done with that, whatever they were doing for the night. And there would be sometimes 40 kids at the house on a Friday night. So Bible study would go till midnight. 
And then we'd all go find a 24 hour spot and have coffee or whatever. So I'd get home at two o'clock in the morning. Now my parents at that point were not believers. My mother said, what are you doing out till two o'clock in the morning? And I said, I'm at a Bible study. And she would, you know, kind of like she shook her head. Sure. You're at a Bible study till two o'clock in the morning. But you know, I wasn't drunk and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing any of those things. I truly was at a Bible study, but um, I grew in those years and made many lifelong friends who started going to that study and who, you know, our lives have intersected over the years. And, um, and then we, you know, fast forward and here we are in 2022, almost 23. I know. So did you lead your parents to the Lord? How did that happen? Because your parents were just rock solid in their faith when I knew them. So how did that so, happen? When you, um, so my, my mom and dad, again, you know, because we all grew up Catholic, um, when I started going to the Bible study, shortly after that, um, I started going to a local church in the area and my sister wanted to come. So she came and she listened a few times to services and probably within about maybe six or seven months of my accepting Christ, she came to Christ, but she got involved with a whole different group of friends and kind of gone, went in a different direction, was in a real solid church, but we weren't kind of in the same church at that point in time. My parents weren't in church at all. Well, they were going, they went to Catholic church on Sundays, but um, my mom was very interested in studying the Bible. And so um, that was 1978. So the the church at the time when I was going to the church, the um, one of the pastors led a Bible study on Wednesday nights. And when she heard about it, she asked me if she could come. So I said, dude, the church is open. You can come anytime you want. So she started going to the Bible study, but wasn't really saved yet. Um. I think it might've been like 1979 or 1980. Um, my parents wanted to go to church on Easter Sunday, all of us together. So I figured that we need, we'd all have to go to the Catholic church. And my mom said, no, she goes, let's go to the church where the Bible study is. And so we all went to church that Easter Sunday and my parents accepted Christ that Sunday morning. They, wow. on Easter Sunday, they heard the message and just prayed the sinner's prayer and accepted Christ. And the same thing, they were, they plugged in. You know, my mom kept coming to the Bible study and she grew. My dad started to go with her. But then one thing that, and you know, we know this to be true, the church involved them. Yes. So they got involved in serving. You know, mm -hmm. they served, they mm -hmm. went out to youth retreats and they worked with the Sunday school and they did a bunch of different things because they found their place. They were able to serve um, and they were able to grow in their faith as, as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember your dad driving the bus that he yeah. He'd open that bus door and kids would come pouring out of the bus that he was driving. To, yeah, to and be he loved church. being with them. He really did. Yeah. yeah. So um, so you accepted the Lord. It, were you in college about when that happened? No, I was working. You were and working. Um, I was working, actually, I think I was at the bank already. Yeah, I, was, I had gone to work for a bank. And so I was at the bank working there. Um, probably for the first, I think it was like four years or so. Yes. Cause in 1982 is when I went on staff at the church where I met you guys. So you have been in ministry, full-time ministry since 1982, serving yes. people, um, leading, administrating, doing big projects. Um, so first you worked for Buffalo school, of the Bible. Yes. As the an secretary, the mm -hmm. registrar there. Mm -hmm. And, um, helped lead the school through two different accreditation processes because the school was not accredited at the time when it got started. And so I um, was able to work on that. That was very challenging and, and, it, and it was good. It was a good thing. Yeah. Good time. And then what year did you go work for Kingdom Bound full time? 
I came, we were just talking about this um, yesterday. I came here in 1992 and it was an interesting time because there were three of us who were volunteering, sort of part-time staff. Um, we all left our full-time jobs at the end of 1991. So that was my job at the church. And in 1992, I don't know how many people have this recollection, but Hurricane Andrew hit Miami that year. And that was one of those hurricanes that sometimes does this. It moves up the East Coast and came all the way up the East Coast and it beat Kingdom Bound into the ground um, that that summer. And so we all looked at each other when the festival was over with and we thought, we wonder if we're all going to have a job because here we we'd all left our jobs. And, you know, here we had this great like eight or nine month of preparation to have the festival. And then, you know, the, the things, I mean, it was no comparison to what happened to the people in Miami, but to people in Western New York who've never experienced anything like that kind of a rainstorm, it was pretty wild. Um, and so we wondered, you know, for about a month, are we ever, are we going to actually still have a job? And we did, you know, the Lord made provision sure. for all of us yeah. um, to be there and, um, and, Didn't you call and it continue Mudfest? to move forward. Do I remember we, that? Yes, it was Mudfest. We yeah. had some shirts made the following year that said, I survived Mudfest of 1992. Yeah. Because... Remember, Donna, back in the 90s, the week after Kingdom Bound, you'd have off work and you'd yes. inevitably come to North Carolina and spend yep. a week with us and enjoy the kids and we'd cook together and you'd sit in the sunshine, whatever you you wanted to do just to recover from Kingdom Bound. And I remember that year you came in, you didn't have any sneakers because they'd been, all been ruined at Kingdom That's Bound. That's true. And I remember that year, I, that year that I was, it was kind of like the first day or so that I was there. It was like, everyone kind of left me alone because it was like, I was a little bit like in a little shell shock. Like, did we really survive this? And then kind of like on the third day or so, I kind of came to again and it was like, oh, I actually have dry clothes. And, you know, because it was that kind of, you know, it was just, you were just constantly in the weather. Yeah. And um, I remember at one point putting my foot down and my foot came out, my shoe stayed in the mud. And, um, you know, that was just the kind of an event it was. And it's, was a very memorable one. You know, when people think back, they're like, oh yeah, I was there and I remember exactly what happened. Yeah. Oh, the things we do to serve the Lord, right, Donna? The things Amen. we do. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so so tell everybody, what is Kingdom Bound exactly? You're you're the um the director, is that your title? Or the president yes, of Kingdom Bound? I am. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's both. It's but but really the director. It's okay. a more administrative function. Um Kingdom Bound Ministries was um birthed in nineteen eighty nine as a festival. Um, Christian music festivals were on the rise in the late 70s, early 80s. And so um, it was kind of a collaborative effort here in Western New York. Our founder, Fred Caserta, was, um, had gotten saved and was looking for a way to serve the Lord. He'd been a music promoter his whole life. And the folks at Darien Lake, which is a local theme park here in Western New York, had heard about Christian music festivals. And of course, we're looking at for more ways to get people into their park. And so um, collaboratively, they worked together. Um, Fred was working with a group of pastors. Um, I didn't really get on board until um, late in 1988, because um, of course, when they first came to me with this, um, one of the youth pastors came and said, hey, we're going to do this event. And, you know, I, I would be like, I know. Yeah, that sounds really good, but I don't see how that's going to even happen. Like that was really kind of my, my thinking. And, um, but as things began to get closer to 1987, I'm sorry, it was 1980, would have been late 86, 87 was the first festival and it was slated for October and we had some snow in the air. It was like in the mid thirties and, um, then it warmed up a little bit and anyways, but a large number of people came out 
you know, 6,000 people on a kind of snowy, wet, rainy October weekend. Um, what I don't know that a lot of people know is that in the early years of Kingdom Bound, the theme park itself actually underwrote the cost for having the event. It took three years before Kingdom Bound could actually sustain itself. And so the park underwrote the expenses to make that to make those things happen because they really believed in what they saw. And so um, out of that was birthed Kingdom Bound Ministries. And so today Kingdom Bound exists um, to present the gospel, you know, our mission statement through a variety of performing art forms, one of which is the festival. We do concerts, we do outreaches, we've had youth conferences. Um, over the 35 year span of the ministry, we have done a, a wide variety of outreaches linked armed with, with other ministries and um, helped bring their events to fruition. Um, I would have to say from an administrative end, um, event planning is probably the thing that we are, we do the strongest, mm. um, that we, that we work uh, the hardest at. Um, but from a ministry standpoint, all of it exists so that we can present the gospel mm-hmm. and we can also encourage believers. You know, that's mm-hmm. the two part mission of every event that we do is so that people who have never met Jesus have an opportunity to hear the gospel and people who already are saved and are walking in um, their faith walk can be encouraged to grow stronger, to be able to accomplish the work that God's called them to do. So Donna, for the past 35 years then, you have really met some incredible people with an incredible call on their lives. You've met um, the, the premier speakers and worship leaders and musicians of our day, of our time period for the kingdom of God. And so tell us, um, like, who have you met that you, you can say to the listeners today, this person is the real deal. They practice what they preach. They, they don't just talk the talk, but they walk the walk. Like who, just give us an insight into one incredible leader's personality. So hands down from the artist side of life, um, I will say that Casting Crowns is the first band that will come to my mind. Um, Mark Hall, and so many of the viewers may not realize, but Melanie, his wife, she runs everything behind the scenes. So I, I you know, I take them together as a team besides the whole band. Um, but they are the real deal. Like they are the same on the stage, off the stage, behind the stage. Um, they have a call to their church, their local church that they don't take lightly. They work their schedule around it. And, you know, artists who travel, um, sometimes that can mean being away for three, four, five, six weeks at a time. Um, their touring schedule, every decision that they make is based upon the whole picture, their family. Um, I can recall years ago, the band coming to the festival and, you know, our festival takes place in early August and their children were homeschooled and we take place in an amusement park. You know, everybody rolls in and usually what happens is the artists will ask first off, Hey, can we ride the rides and can we go ahead? You know, and we always take, you know, we always make a accommodation for that because I, I can imagine, I don't know what it's like personally, but I can imagine that um, it could be, um, kind of bothersome that you're while you're waiting in line and you want to just wait in line and be patient, but everybody knows you and they're, you know, you have all this. So we see that happen. That's never happened with casting crowns. In fact, I have had to ask, can you let the kids go 
Sometimes it's yes, and sometimes it was no. And you know this from having homeschooled your own children. Um, sometimes the homeschooling schedule took precedence. And basically the response was, if we took time off for every single thing that came along when we were touring, there would be no education. I always admired that because that took a lot of stamina to do when here your children are in an amusement park surrounded by rides, you know, and here we are, we're going to do schoolwork. And, um, and I just look at the effect that, you know, I see their family and um, how they're serving the Lord alongside of their parents. And so for, for me, um, it's hands down. And I've met many, many, they're wonderful. I, you know, almost any artist you can name in contemporary music and say, if I've met them, they're wonderful people. And I always tell our, um, our customers, when you see us bring a band back year after year after year after year, it's because we've built a relationship with them and we are focused kind of in the same direction in ministry. And so I, I truly um, uh, just, I, I respect them so much and um, love what they do. And we're always, we always try to support them whenever we can. Um, That's one thing I've appreciated about you over the years, Don, is you told me that you, you not only want talent, talented people, you know, the names, but you want people with a heart for ministry. You want people with a pure heart for the Lord. Well, I feel a responsibility. I, I say this, um, and, and I have said this to them. I say this a lot of times to, um, about the band Skillet, who you may be familiar with. And Skillet is, um, you know, they're, they're a phenomenal band, um, very much a rock and roll band. And so they have a whole audience that um, that they reach that you know a band like Casting Crowns doesn't reach. Although they can share the stage together and 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 really share the gospel, but I've often said this that um, I don't want to stand before the Lord and say that we had a really great time at Kingdom Out. We mm-hmm. made a lot of noise and we yelled and we clapped and we danced and we did whatever, um, and that that's all we did because I feel a responsibility. Um, I think we can do all those things, but we have to do all those things with a purpose. Mm -hmm. And that purpose is that we are glorifying the Lord Jesus and that we're lifting his name up and that we are sharing that with other people. So I take that part very seriously. I don't feel like that's that's a big responsibility, Um, much like I believe the pastor has when he gets the platform and he is going to preach. He's responsible for what he's sharing with those people. And while I may not get on the stage and I may not be the one doing the sharing, I ultimately have that responsibility for those who are going to get on the stage and share it. So Donna, for all the years of Kingdom Bound since 1987-ish until today, 2022, and I know that you had to take a break for a couple of years because of COVID. How many people do you estimate that have been touched by the the summer festival? I know the concerts would be hard to count throughout the year, but just at that venue, those three to four days of every summer, how many people's lives have been touched? You know, it's always hard to say because you don't. Uh, we can't always track every single person who has been ministered to. However, I would say on the conservative side, if you just looked at a thousand people at each event, you'd be looking at you know thirty-five to fifty thousand people. I'm sure it's much more than that, um, simply because there for every person who will step forward, there's a person who won't step forward, but who got ministered to, who received the Lord, who sometimes will take time later to write or to call or you'll meet up with them and they'll say, I never really said this, but this is what happened. And so, um, so I believe, you know, the, the, the numbers are up there and, you know, the most important thing of course, is that God knows, um, the hearts and the, and the lives and what we hope and pray and believe is that kingdom Mount can be one part of the journey 
that people take throughout their life in strengthening their faith. Donna, do you know who Jenny Randall is? I do not. Okay, so look her up. She's one of my new friends, a, a speaker and an author, and she is knocking it out of the park. Her message is is creativity, how to dream with God. She's got three or four like truly best-selling books. Um, And Donna, she grew up coming to Kingdom Bound. She was grew up in the mm-hmm. Albany area. And um, like I said, she's one of my friends. We're serving on this board of directors together. And w- the summer when she saw that I had spoken at Kingdom Bound, she said, what? You go to Kingdom Bound? She said, Carol, I grew up going to Kingdom Bound. She said, I used to look at those people on the stage and think, how do you get there? How do you get to speak at Kingdom Bound? And so that was just such a blessing to my soul that I wonder how many other Jenny Randalls there are out there, Donna, that God placed a dream in their heart coming to Kingdom Bound as a young person with their youth group. You're, you are correct there. We've had a few over the years, so I will definitely... I will definitely look her up. Yeah, look her up. Look her up. You're, you're going to love her. You're going to love her heart. Um, talk about the real deal. She's like casting crowns, the real deal. So that was a delight to get to share that with you. I couldn't wait to share it with you. Oh, that's so good. Thank you. Yeah, as we we're talking about. Well, now you know why Don and I are such good friends. We just get each other. Um, We'll get back to more of my conversation with Donna in just a minute, but I always like to take some time and tell you what's going on in Carol McLeod Ministries so you understand where we are around the globe and what we're doing. You know, my whole life is about encouraging the women under my watch, and I'm committed to teaching the Word of God and to being a purveyor of hope and joy. And one of the ways I do this is by writing books. A book that I had come out just about, oh, about a year and a half ago. It's titled, The Rooms of a Mother's Heart. And listen, as I look back at the decades of my life, there's nothing I would rather do over again than raise my family for Jesus Christ. And so The Rooms of a Mother's Heart is my gift to the generation of mothers to come. I hope that you'll buy a copy for yourself if if you're a mom in any age, stage, or season of life. And I hope that you'll also buy a copy for all of the young moms in your life. It's a memoir. It's a blueprint. It's a GPS. It's filled with lists and recipes and songs and books and memories and scriptures and challenges of how to do motherhood well. And let me just tell you, read it with a box of tissue. You can buy Rooms of a Mother's Heart on my website, which is carolmccloudministries.com, or on Amazon, Christian Book Distributors, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, really wherever books are sold. Now listen, as I told you before, it is our delight to encourage you with the hope and the joy that only comes from Jesus Christ and from the Word of God. We try to do it every single way we can through podcasts, through blogs, publishing industry, radio, um, and now TV. The place where you can connect all of those dots and see what we're doing is at my website, carolmccloudministries.com. You can read a blog post. You can listen to a Bible study. You can leave a prayer request or do some shopping. You can also leave a donation if you believe in the calling and the purpose of Carol McLeod Ministries. I'd love to hear from you. So take some time to connect with me 
on my website, carolmccloudministries.com. And be sure and email me a prayer request. I have a whole team of women who love to pray for all of the prayer requests that come in. Carol at carolmccloudministries.com is my personal email. And now it's time to get back to my conversation with my friend, Donna Russo. So Donna, what's next for Kingdom Mountain? Like as you look into the future, the post-COVID world, what are your hopes and dreams for this ministry that you've given your life to? Well, we we pray every year. We don't take for granted, especially after the two-year COVID absence, but we pray every year that God would show us and open the door for the direction for the festival. So, you know, we are continuing to move in that direction right now for 2023. And um, we're actually in a pivotal place right now where we are praying about what's going to happen in the future. For two years prior to uh, the pandemic, Kingdom Bound hosted a youth conference called Awaken. And when, in fact, we had Awaken on February 16th of 2020, and a month later, of course, everything shut down. And so in 21 and 22, there was no Awaken event. And um, we've been meeting periodically with youth pastors to talk about what that might look like in the future. Because, you know, as you know, during the pandemic, um, everyone learned different ways to receive, um, to tune into a podcast, to watch um, their church service online. Um, and, And I hope that you know, that people are so that are re, they're returning to their churches and that they're returning to live events um, to some degree. That's been a little bit um, slower in some places than in others. And so we're praying about whether or not that youth conference will um, come back into our future um, or we may go into a different direction. But, yes, we're definitely looking along those lines and, and always constantly asking the Lord to show us what are some areas that we can be involved in, whether it's an event that is totally hosted by Kingdom Bound, or whether it's something that we can come alongside of another organization to assist them with. Okay. And, you know, before we started recording today, you and I were just having this heartfelt conversation and I was wishing we had gotten it all recorded, but it's just sort of the way our life works. But one of the things I love that the Lord has been speaking to you, and and I hope it's for the years to come as well, is the stand that Kingdom Bound has taken for life. Um, would you talk yes. to us about that and what oh, you yeah. did this I'd year? Well? Yeah. So that was one of the, for me, that was one of the highlights that happened this year at Kingdom Bound. So on the last night of the festival on, on um, Wednesday, we, we normally have national sponsors who take a day and, you know, they will use the platform to be able to promote their organization and their ministry. And going into the festival this year, I, I did not want to do that on the last day of the festival. I really felt strongly that we needed to take um, some focused attention on the stance of life in our state, particularly, and in our nation. And as we know, at the beginning of the summer, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, um, New York State kind of dug their heels in and it has become even more intense. And as I mentioned to you, what I see happening now is New York state will become a destination state once again, um, as it was in the early years, right before Roe v. Wade was passed um, nationally. And so I began to pray and ask the Lord, what could we do? How could we help? What are some things we could be involved in? And there's a number of ministries in our area. There's a local ministry. There's a couple of, uh, there's a couple of local ministries, a national ministry. A month before the festival happened, one of our regional ministries, their clinic was firebombed right in Buffalo, not far 
couple blocks away from where one of my friends lives um, and firebombed to the degree that the building was deemed unusable. And so um, they had to make other arrangements for location for services. The immediate staff, you know, their lives were under threat. There was a, it was a pretty intense um, period of time. And so I invited their director to come and share what had happened from then up until that point when we had the festival. And in fact, Three days after the festival, they reopened that clinic. They had mm-hmm. gone through a total refurbishment. They reopened it, um, and services were never interrupted. They just moved to another location. Um, we have another ministry in our um, community that focuses on helping young women to keep their babies or to uh, place them for adoption. And we have a, an, a beautiful adoption story right in our own Kingdom-bound family. One of our festival um, team leaders his, he and his wife adopted a baby girl years, many years ago. She's now a grown woman, just had her own baby. Um, she was adopted through this ministry called Sunrays. And um, so we were able to highlight them. And we were also able to bring in one national organization that is called Students for Life, highlighting an, organiza- or, uh, an event that they were doing called Stand With Her. And that was um, really an encouragement to the body of Christ to stand with women who are going to keep their babies. And so for me, um, as I was sharing with you um, earlier, for me, some of this started, I've always been pro-life and I've always said that with my mouth, you know, yes, I'm pro-life. I support pro-life activities and pro-life events. When I watched the unplanned movie a couple of years ago, it just refocused me once again um, on what that means. And if I have an opportunity to be able to to bring exposure, then I should be doing that. And so um, I felt like it was the right move for Kingdom Bound to make as a ministry to stand up and say, this is what we believe in. This is what we stand for individually as people, as well as the ministry and give opportunity for the people who are attending the festival to get involved at whatever level they feel comfortable. They may feel like they want to be involved financially. They may want to be involved in the process um, where there's an adoption taking place. They may want to help out by providing resources. What I felt our job was, was to be a facilitator and bring exposure and say, here are a wide variety of places. If you want to get involved politically, we had seminars. We brought information so that we could say to you, do this knowledgeably, know what you're getting involved in, um, and don't be afraid to step out and take a stand because I really believe that God will pour the blessing out as a result. And, and what I said to you also is, to me, what it goes back to is, um, do we value life? And in so many things that are happening in our world around us, we see life being devalued all around us. And I believe that as we bring value back and we we support the dignity of life, of human life, and we support the value of human life, we can see that ripple effect of change that will happen in our world for the good. Yeah. So Donna, we'll put links to all three of those organizations in the show notes. So people who are listening and would want to get involved on some level would would know that these are organizations that you personally can recommend that they're saving babies' lives. So I I love that. That's so incredible. So Donna, you know, the name of the podcast is Significant Women. And um, we always have as our guests women who are serving the Lord, who whatever that looks like. It might be, you know, as a nurse, as as a singer, a worship leader, or like you, you lead a major organization. But the reason the name is Significant Women is because we've all been impacted. Tell me, who are some of the significant women 
who have impacted your life as a woman? Well, I mentioned Jerry Barracks to begin mm-hmm. with, who led me to Christ. You know, she has um, certainly had a significant impact. And one of the things that she always has reminded me of um, whenever I would call her, um, she would always remind me of two things. Because, you know, sometimes, and you know this as a mentor, um, your mentees will call you when they're whining and complaining about something, which I would do. And the first thing she would say is, are you reading the word and are you praying? You know, and it's like, that's not really what I wanted to hear. What I wanted to hear was, you know, could you sympathize with me and, you know, give me a little, you know, whatever. And, um, but that was, that was always her answer. And so um, that has had a major impact on my life. You have had a major impact on my life. You You have taught me to study the word. And, you know, one of the things that happened at the festival this year, um, if you, I don't know if you ran into Holt Vaughn. I did. But Holt, so Holt ran a track at the festival this year called the Theology Project. Um, as a way to help people to understand the word of God. And so um, it was very well received. People really loved it. And what it has proven is that we do live in a somewhat biblically illiterate world, even among the Christian population. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things, even though I had gone to Bible school, um, one of the things that I learned um, attending your Bible study for the years that I was able to come to the Just Joy Bible study was how to take the word of God and digest it for myself. Um, And one of the most important things that I learned throughout the years of teaching that you brought to us, to uh, to all the women who attended, was for us not to constantly react on our emotions and our feelings. That there's nothing wrong with them, but not to live by them. And we live by the word of God. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most important lessons that you taught me. And so you've had a significant impact on my life as a result of that, because you and I both know that at the end of the day, it's us and God. You know, we can have all these other things, but it's us and God. Mm -hmm. And so if we haven't learned how to tune in to spend time with him and want to spend time with him, um, we're going to suffer a lot of of heartache and loss. And so um, the lessons that I learned, um, I'm still applying to these days, um, to my my life these days. And even when I'm speaking to other people, um, I'll say, you know what? This might not work for you, but you should listen. You know, you should you should talk about this and you should pay attention to what the word of God is saying rather than what your friends are saying or rather than what this book might say or what. Let's look at the word and what does the word say? And you really you taught me that. Mm. And so you have had a, a, a very significant impact on my life. So and then although I didn't really take enough time to tell her this in her lifetime, I will say this. My mom had a major impact on my life. Mm-hmm. Um, she overcame many insurmountable obstacles and really walked in humility, almost to the point where you'd want to say to her, you know, pick your head up, not in, not in shame, but in humility. And, um, as I watched her life and as, as she's been gone now for these five years, I see that more and more and more where I, I recognize, and, you know, there were, there are things that if, she, if she only realized that she taught me to pray, you know, she would say, no, you know, you went to Bible school, you had, in, and I did, but she learned some very simple lessons and they were lessons that she taught me. And, um, in, even in my adult years. And so she has had a major impact on my life, um, in ways that I'm constantly discovering. I love that. I love that. Donna, do you have a favorite Bible verse, a verse that you live by that just resonates in your soul? 
Well, you know, I read that when I was reading through all the the preparations and I thought, you know, my my life verse always has been Esther 414, you know, that I've been born for such a time as this. And, you know, while I'm not the queen in the in the in the court and um, and I'm not I haven't been called to save my people from destruction. Um, I do believe that God has put a call on my life and that um, I was put here for this purpose and for this time. And it's an ever-evolving and changing plan and purpose. Um, and that I feel like if I stay tuned in to what the Word is saying, um, that hopefully I won't misstep um, and won't miss on what, what God has for me. Uh, but yeah, that, that really, I would have to say that verse always comes to my mind immediately. Yeah, love it. Do you have a favorite Bible character, just somebody when we get to heaven, you just can't wait to meet other other than Jesus, of course. Well, but. it's interesting that you should say that because up until a, a week ago, I would have said to you, Esther, you know, based on that life verse, Esther would be the woman I really want to meet. Um, but two weeks ago, I went to the Sight and Sound Theater and I saw David on stage. Mm-hmm. And it was so impactful. I, I just don't know how to explain. It was presented from the perspective of David the shepherd. Even though it, he was king, it went through all the stages of his life, but it was presented as David the shepherd. And I walked out of there and I thought, I would like to meet David. And so that, that it was just that kind of an impact that it had on me, just listening to the songs and, and how the, this particular actor, how he portrayed them and they poured out of his heart. Um, it, it was, I can only imagine what it was really like um, with the real David. And so um, I think that that's where I'm landing right now. I love that. You know, I just heard a sermon on David this summer and, and the, the pastor talked about how in the Psalms, David was real with his emotions. Like he really would would say when he was distressed or depressed or whatever. But did you know, Donna, that every single psalm that David wrote, except one, turns around to praise the Lord by the end of it? That he, you know, went through his emotions, but he'd be reminded of the goodness of God or, or this is where I worship. And I just love that about David, that he could process his emotions, but turn to the Lord. Um, that to me, that was so powerful. That's that's great. I love sight and, you know, and sound. That kind of ties right along with what I was saying that you brought to us in teaching, mm. because it's the same. It was like you you never discouraged us from dealing with whatever it is that we had to deal with. But at the end of the day, right. we look at the fact that you know who who holds that, yes. who holds our who holds our life, who holds us in the palm of his hand, and who knows every single thing that we are going through yeah, and always focusing, focusing us back on what the Lord would have us do and how he would have us react. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be looking forward to you running up to David and meeting him in heaven, Donna. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be watching. <laughs> so I always like to end with a little bit of fun. You know that the Sound of Music and White Christmas are my two favorite movies. You already know that. But <laughs> so we call this last part of my favorite things. And I just sort of, I'm going to shoot some things at you okay. and, and you just respond. And if there's something you don't know, or you don't want to answer, just say pass. That That's an acceptable answer as well. But what's your favorite book other than the Bible, best book you've ever read? Oh my goodness. There are so many. And I guess it would depend on, um, if we're talking nonfiction, um, I'm going to say Rooms of a Woman's Heart. Stop. And if we're talking, no, that's the truth. 
And I think that if we're talking fiction, and I know you'll relate to this, it's the whole Midford series. Oh, yeah. All of the books about Midford. I love them. Have you ever read the series by Brock and Bodie Taney, um, The Zion Chronicles? No, they're they're on one of my lists. You must, starting with Vienna Prelude. There you go, Donna. They'll keep you okay. through a long buffalo Thanks. winter. <laughs> okay. The favorite, your favorite season? It, it is the fall, believe it or not. It is the fall. I enjoy, I, of course, I enjoy the fact that we have four seasons. I wish winter wasn't as long, but, yeah. but I love, I love all the things that fall brings. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, you know, there's a culmination of the things that have happened up until that time. And I love that season. Uh, your, oh, this is going to be a hard one for you because of the festival. Your favorite worship song. Let me frame it. It's the song you start hearing it, Donna, and tears start rolling and your heart starts pounding and you lift your hands in the air. What is that current worship song for you? It's Gyro. Mm-hmm. As soon as I heard it, I haven't heard a song about Jehovah Jireh since we used to sing the Israeli version back in the day, okay, Mm -hmm. where I can picture us all dancing and clapping our hands to the beat of that song. And when this new song came out, I just could not stop listening to it. Yeah. Replay. Put it on replay. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, Okay. Now let's just get a little bit friendship fun. Favorite TV show through the years? Oh, boy. There's a lot. And again, you know, it just depends on, um, I would have to say consistently, everybody loves Raymond. Okay. Crazy mother-in-law, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, just the whole, you know, Ray and the whole, the kids and the whole story, just the storylines. A lot of it's just real. Favorite movie. Oh boy. I would, the movie that always comes to the top of my head is Sabrina. And it's, um, the it's new one or the old the, one? I like both equally because I love Humphrey Bogart and I loved Harrison Ford. They, they both played really great parts in the movie. Um, that would probably be the one that always pops in my head. Other than, I mean, the Christmas movies always come up. And What's your favorite White Christmas, Christmas movie? White Christmas is my favorite. What, yeah, my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's got the best ending in all of movie history. You know, it does, and the music yeah. is amazing, and the costumes. You know, yeah. it's really. Well, Well, I know that back in the day, your favorite way to rejuvenate was to come see us in North Carolina. But what's your (laughs) current favorite way to rejuvenate? It's really just to have some quiet time. You know, I don't really have to go anywhere. Um, You know, my 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 later years go to places, Nashville. And mostly it's because I've had to go for work related things in the industry, but I've come to really love the town itself. Um, and I do like going there, but that's not a place to go to rejuvenate because you come back sometimes more tired than when you went there. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I find now these days that really just being able to have a quiet day where there's not a lot on the schedule is just a total blessing. Mm-hmm. Favorite dessert? Chocolate cake, any kind. I knew you were a chocolate girl. I, I knew that whatever came out of your mouth was going to have the prefix chocolate. <laughs> well, and if, if for people who live in Western New York, you know, we know that orange chocolate is pretty native to this area. So yeah. I, I would go so far as to say I've also had an orange chocolate cake and that's really good. Yum. Yum. Um, oh, favorite holiday. I'm going to be interested to see what you see. Say about this one. It's a tie between Christmas and Easter. You know, okay. I, I think uh-huh. like, you know, I love Christmas and all the things that it comes with it. But I think that as I have gotten older, um, Easter kind of prevails over Christmas because I feel like 
if for at least for me, Easter hasn't reached a commercialization uh, place in my life mm-hmm. where Christmas a lot of times does get overshadowed by all the other things that are going on. Um, Easter to me has become more precious over the years. Yeah, it is precious. And it's the day your, your parents came to Christ. So that makes it precious right. too. Okay. What's one of the best goals you've ever achieved in your life? Oh boy. That's an interesting, um, I guess, I mean, part of it would have to be with being right where I am right this moment. Um, If you would have asked me when I first came to Christ um, what I would possibly do with my life, I don't think I could have imagined that this is the place where I would be. Um, I I feel like the sustaining power of of the Lord in my life um, is is kind of like a, a lifelong goal, and I see it being accomplished. I guess, yeah, that's kind of where I would be at. You know what, Donna, that's a great place to to stop today. Just you've seen the faithfulness of God in your life and you're grateful. And he's used you in an extraordinary way. And I'm blessed and honored to count you as a friend. So thank you for faithfully serving that unshakable kingdom of Christ. Thank you. I feel the same, Carol, the same. Donna, before we leave, would you pray for the listeners? I will. Okay. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we are so grateful, Lord Jesus, that we are able to share your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives, Lord. And I pray that for everyone listening, um, those first who might be questioning, that they would reach out in faith and be able to know that they have a God that they can trust for everything that they need in their life. For those who are walking in faith, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen and encourage them this day. Lord, I pray a special blessing upon Carol, Lord, and all that you have poured into her and that she so freely and willingly teaches, shares, and pours out into others' lives. I just pray a blessing upon her, Lord, and upon the ministry. We just thank you for this day and for all that you have blessed us with and given us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for joining me this week on the Significant Women Podcast. I hope that you'll share this episode with your friends through an email, or maybe also share it on social media. And one more request, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review, a word of encouragement on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, it would mean the world to us. My friend, there's one reason why you're significant. It's not because of your achievements, because of your street address, or because of the kind of house you live in. It's not because of the car you drive or that your marriage has lasted a long time. You're significant because you've been made in the image of the one who created you. He stamped you with his nature. That's why you are significant. And finally, as I listened to Donna's story, as I heard her heart, I want to share with you the scripture that came to my mind as we reflect on all of the things that Donna said to us today. This is the scripture, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23. This describes Donna Russo. She is a fruit-filled and faithful woman. Are you? 
I hope that you'll join me next time on the Significant Women Podcast. <laughs>